0: Good morning, church family. It is great to see you today. Uh, what a weird video. <laughs> I mean, it's really funny and really fun and really weird, really strange. We're going to be in Jonah today. So open up your Bibles or your Bible apps, and I'm going to read our passage, Jonah 1 4 through 17. But I'm also going to ask that you stand uh, while I read this. If you could stand, and I'm also going to ask while I read, if you would engage in a bit of silliness. It's not silly for the sake of silly. It'll be fun. Uh, But if you could just sway back and forth, you are going to be the waves, and we're going to get in together the boat in this story of Jonah. If you have little ones, pick them up as well so they can be a part of it. If you find yourself getting seasick, perfect. That's right where I want you. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 4. You're not swaying. You guys don't listen. It's fine. It's fine. We'll do it. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Mm-hmm. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You may be seated. Thank you, some of you, for playing along with me. That was fun. I really like the story of Jonah. I really like it a lot. It's fun. It's funny. It's dark. It's tragic. It's redemptive. Uh, I've liked it for a long time. So much so that when I was entering college and everybody was downloading AOL Instant Messenger, AIM. Do you know about this? This is a fun game called Ask a Millennial. Find a millennial and ask him, what was your AIM screen name? And you will get a window into his soul. That is true. You can ask. I did some asking around on staff. There's some really good ones. Uh, me, I chose Jonah Eat Whale. That was my screen name. Jimmy Eat World, thank you, that one laugh. Uh, Jimmy Eat World was a very popular band at the time, and being the biblical humorist, that I wanted to be. Jonah ate whale. It was perfect. It was great. You can hit me up tonight. Every night, I go on there and chat. This was pre-text technology. You can Google this. It's true. Uh, but I've liked the story of Jonah for a long time. The story of Jonah, a true story, is about God sending a prophet to the Gentiles to preach the message of repentance. A faithful God sending a prophet to the Gentiles to preach the message of repentance. God calls out to Jonah. says, Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, oh, I'm not doing that. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, their worst and bloodiest enemy. And he says, no, I'm not doing that, and turns and runs the opposite direction, disobeying God's call. He goes down to Joppa, pays the fare, goes down to a boat. Chad covered this last week in verses 1 through 3 and did a great job. The story of a faithful God sending a prophet to the Gentiles. We have four points to our sermon today because there's four paragraphs. There's not a lot of thick, uh, spiritual, uh, theological-ness in these topics. I've just used them to move us right along through the paragraphs. And so point number one for the first paragraph, Sleepy Weepy. Sleepy Weepy. Write it down. We're starting in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. As a result of Jonah's disobedience, God pours out a little bit of his justice. He is a faithful God who is going to send a prophet to the Gentiles, and he hurls a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest, a storm on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. This story has got personification, alliteration, automatopoeia, irony. This story is an English teacher's dream. And right here it says that the ship threatened to break up. The ship is already an active character in this story. And it is considering breaking, fall apart. The Hebrew phrase for this is Hishabah lahishabar, Hishabah lahishabar. Just writing, you can hear the waves crash onto the boat, onto the This reluctant ship. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God. These sailors were Gentile men. Jewish men were not seafaring people. These sailors were Gentile men who would, their job was to sail back and forth across the sea to carry goods and products. And they were good at it. And in this moment, they're afraid. They had seen some things before, but right now, this storm, this storm is bad. And they were afraid, so that each cried out to his God. It was so bad, they were at the point of prayer, right? Calling out to their personal God, their family God, their tribal God, to no avail. Calling out to every God that they knew and that they represented. And they hurled cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. If the Lord is hurling a storm, now we see these sailors hurling cargo, going downstairs and finding their luggage and throwing it overboard, finding their furniture and throwing it overboard, finding their income, the cargo that they are being paid to shuttle back and forth, taking it and throwing it overboard because they do not want to die. But Jonah, but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Jonah... Goes down into the belly of the boat, into the entrails of this ship, and takes a nap. There's a cartoonish version of this in my mind where uh, the sailors are throwing cargo overboard. And it says they were in the inner part, he was in the inner part of the boat, which is probably the cargo chamber. And as these sailors grab the cargo and throw it overboard, they find that last one, pull it out, and there's a sleeping prophet back there, sawn logs snoozing away. Sleep, the great denier. If I'm honest, I can relate to Jonah in these moments. When my stress levels, my anxiety levels get high, you will hear me say things like, man, I'm just really tired. I've just been really tired lately. I can't seem to get enough sleep. Whether it is the result, life is the result of my own disobedience and the consequences therein, or somebody else's disobedience and their consequences, I just kind of Don't want to be conscious for those moments. That's what Jonah's doing. He doesn't want to be awake for this storm that is a consequence of his disobedience. My friends, we've all been disobedient. We've been disobedient with our thoughts, disobedient with our words, disobedient with our bodies, disobedient with our money, disobedient to our parents. We have all been disobedient and we are all experiencing the consequences of that disobedience each and every day. And sometimes it gets so much that I don't wanna be awake for it. I wanna take the quick and easy way out, which is sleep. I get this. I get Jonah. I'm on team nap. It's not an appropriate response, but I feel this, and that is what Jonah has done down into the inner part of the ship, and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? What are you doing, sleepyhead? The captain, who is supposed to be the calm one in a crisis, comes in and says, what are you doing, you sleeper? You can use this on your children, that phrase, you sleeper? arise, call out to your God. And that word arise has to be echoing in Jonah's ear because it's the same word that God said to him, arise and go to Nineveh. The captain says, arise, call out to your God, the God that you are ignoring. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. We've done all we can do. Call out to your God. Point two. Scary-wary. Scary-wary. Verse 7. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. The sailors gather together and they are going to cast lots, which, by the way, is a very Jewish practice. It's not a Gentile practice where they would take one from you and one from you and one from you one from you and put it in and play like Old Testament Yahtzee and one would pop out, and this one fell to Jonah. It's a very Jewish practice. So the irony here of these Gentile sailors being more Jewish than Jonah is not lost on us. They want to know whose God is this. Whose God is this that this evil has come upon us? Now, I should stop for a moment and say that we as Christians, we do not believe in karma. We don't believe in karma. Karma, the idea that if you do good things, then good things will come back to you in this life or the next. Or if you do bad things, that bad things will come back to you in this life or the next. We don't believe in that. We believe in a faithful, sovereign God who can use all things for his glory. We believe in a faithful, sovereign God who can use all things for his glory, good or bad. And we see this evidence throughout Scripture. In Job chapter 1, when Job has lost his cattle, his sheep, his oxen, his camels, his servants, and his children in one fell swoop, Job tears his clothes and shaves his head and bows down and worships God. He says, Naked I enter the world and naked I will depart. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Lord blessed and honored Job. Despite that tragedy, he used it for his glory. In John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, Jesus and his disciples are walking through the city. And they see a man blind from birth. And the disciples ask Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, it was not this man's sin, nor his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in his life. It was not this man's sin or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in his life. This tragedy of being blind, God is going to use that to display his works, to display his glory. And Jesus, in front of everybody, heals that man. In the Old Testament, in Genesis, Joseph was sold into slavery, into Egypt, by his jealous brothers. He was thrown into a pit. He was found himself in prison. He was rejected by his own family. But in Genesis chapter 45, when there was a famine in the land of Israel, the brothers come down to Egypt to look for something to eat. And without knowing it, they find their brother Joseph. And Joseph says, come to me, brothers. And they gather near to him. And he said, it's me. Your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves for what you've done. God sent me here to preserve life. The tragedy that Joseph experienced, rejected in a pit, thrown away in a foreign land, God used that for his glory because he's a faithful God, a God of life. And so that that family, those brothers might live for generation and generation and generation and generation and generation, and generation until Jesus, the root of Jesse from the line of David, finds himself in a garden praying saying, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. If possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will be done. Jesus is going to experience the worst tragedy, death on a cross, though he was innocent, and God is going to use that for his glory, for his greatest glory. We don't believe in karma. We believe in a faithful and sovereign God who can use all things for his glory. These Gentile sailors don't know this God yet, but they're about to get an introduction. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us, on whose account this evil has come upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? They start firing questions at Jonah because they're about to die. They ask these five questions to get to that one answer, who is your God? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I call this Jonah's terrible confession. He says, "I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord." And we have to laugh for a moment and say, "Really, Jonah? Do you really fear the Lord? If you feared the Lord, you wouldn't be on this boat, right?" He gets into a little bit of a nominalism of, "I may not be uh, obedient." And so, have you ever found yourself in a place where you're caught in your sin, but you have to say that you're a Christian? That's Jonah here in this moment. The hypocrisy just bleeds through the page. I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Oh, Jonah, you fool. The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land? Yeah, if your God can do that, I would imagine he could do this storm. The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land? The God of creation? Yeah, Jonah. Yeah, I'd say that's your God. It says, the men were exceedingly afraid. They feared a great fear, it says, and said to him, what is this that you have done? Do you realize what you've done? Your disobedience is calling all, causing all of us to die. What have you done? For the men knew that he was p- fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. The narrator here doesn't give us this whole conversation. He just gives us this confession from Jonah, which shows us two things. That Yahweh, the God of heaven, earth, and dry land, has the whole world in his hands. He is a sovereign God. And two, that Jonah is a Hebrew. He is from God's chosen race, through which he is going to display himself, reveal himself. That's what the author wants us to know in these moments. Verse 11, point three, hurly-whirly. I hope you're writing these down. They're very important. Hurly-whirly. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. You can feel the tension rising with the water line, Right? It's getting worse. This isn't one of those storms that gets bad and then eases off a little bit a little bit. The storm is actually getting worse and they say, "What do we do? What do we do to you? How does this work? We don't know your God. What do we do?" Jonah says, he said to them, "Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you." Yeah, Jonah finally caught up to the rest of us. Yeah, I'd say. He knew, yeah, it's because of me. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. This is a death sentence. Jonah is ready to embrace death as a result of his disobedience. Knowing that God's wrath, his anger, his justice must be satisfied, Jonah is ready to embrace death. Jonah is ready to embrace death knowing that it's going to save these Gentile sailors. Pick me up and hurl me. Into the sea. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Nevertheless, it says the men rowed hard. The Hebrew there says they dug in. They dug in, digging, got their paddles out and started rowing and rowing and rowing, digging and digging like they're digging Jonah's grave. Trying as hard as they can to get back to the dry land that they wanted to be standing on. Aren't you glad we don't worship a row harder God? A do more God, a try harder God, a be better God? Aren't you glad we don't worship a God like that? A God that says, come on, keep trying, you're so close. 50 more salvation points and you're there. We don't worship that kind of God. We worship a faithful and sovereign God. And the Gentile sailors don't know it yet, but they are about to experience it anew. When they could not get back to dry land on their own, it says, Therefore, they called out to the Lord. The Lord, all caps, Yahweh God, Jonah's God. They called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. I love this prayer. The sailor's prayer, the Gentile Sailor's Prayer says, O Lord, calling out to God directly, let us not perish for this man's life. This is a prayer for salvation. Let us not perish. We don't want to die. We want to live. Save us, O Lord. It's a prayer for salvation. Number two, and lay not on us innocent blood. What we are about to do, throwing Jonah overboard. Don't let his blood be on our hands. It's a prayer for forgiveness, a prayer for absolution, for forgiveness, for innocence, for purity. The thing we're about to do, the sin we're about to commit, forgive us. Wipe us clean. And lastly, number three, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. It's a prayer of sovereignty, a prayer of God's sovereignty. You, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. You have willed this, and it has pleased you to do this. A prayer of God's sovereignty. What a beautiful prayer for salvation, forgiveness, recognizing God's sovereignty. In the middle of a tragedy, they call out to God. Do you believe that God can redeem? Do you believe that God can redeem your mistakes, your tragedies, that he can use them because Jonah was supposed to go to the Gentiles in Nineveh. But by running the other direction, he finds himself with other Gentiles. Do you believe that the Lord can use your mistakes for his glory? Have you seen that happen in your life? That is the kind of God that we, can wor- that we worship, a faithful and sovereign God. So they picked up Jonah And hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Like the ship, the sea is a character, and it decides to cease from its raging. Its anger has been satisfied. It says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The men feared with a great fear. And the Hebrew says they sacrificed sacrifices and they vowed vows. It's a little wordplay just to show you exactly how these Gentile sailors are responding with fear of Yahweh God, sacrifices and vows. These men became believers. They recognized Yahweh God is the God. It's not the kind of testimony that I think Jonah wanted growing up in vacation Bible school. You know, it's not the kind of one that his father would draw up. This is a good testimony. Go and make a mess of your life, and then God will do the rest. But God can use it. It doesn't mean that we can go just make a mess of our lives, being disobedient however we want to. Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? Paul says, by no means. But it does show us that God can use our disobedience, can use our messes for his glory. Praise God. These men become believers in Yahweh they vowed vows this is good news for us gentiles in the room point 4 fishy-wishy fishy-wishy and the lord appointed a great fish to swallow up jonah and jonah was in the belly of the fish 3 days and 3 nights if you don't know the story of jonah before this is where it gets weird A fish swallowing up Jonah. It might have been a whale, I don't know, but it's the only fish we know maybe big enough. But it says, the Lord appointed a great fish. Now, in our short film that we saw earlier, we see this fish and perhaps we respond like Jonah did, that this fish that was chasing after Jonah feels a bit ominous. Maybe it's the score, the sounds, that—it's like that phone, buzz, buzz. Sounds like the Jaws theme, right? Buzz, buzz. Buzz, buzz, that God's anger is getting closer and closer and closer. His wrath is coming upon us. That is a misunderstanding of our God. This fish is not an agent of God's anger, it's an act of His mercy, an act of His love. That Jonah is going to die in this sea. He's drowning, he's as good as gone. But the Lord appointed a great fish to come and swallow up Jonah. It is His salvation saving him from death. The Lord also appointed another prophet to go to the Gentiles, appointed his one and only son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, appointed a Savior for us. Jesus, who was in that garden, went to the cross, was crucified, died on that cross and was buried, went into the belly of the earth and on the third day God said, arise, showing that he is a mighty God who created heaven and earth and dry land and even is over death, can defeat death, is over the grave. The Lord appointed an act of mercy to us that we can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Jews and Gentiles alike, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is good news. That our faithful, sovereign God sent a prophet, a savior to the Gentiles. The story of Jonah points us to the story of Jesus. So my question for you is this. Do you know this story? Do you know the story of Jonah and do you know the story of Jesus that a faithful God sent a prophet to the Gentiles with a message of repentance because in Mark 1, 15, Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We can turn from our disobedience and pursue Jesus, pursue God, pursue obedience. And if you don't know that story, we want you to know it. We want you to call on the name of the Lord. Do whatever you have to do. I will throw cargo. We will throw everything in this building so that you can know the name of the Lord. And if you do know this story, if you do know the story of Jesus, have you responded in worship? Like these Gentile sailors, do you fear the Lord? Have you sacrificed your sacrifices? Have you vowed your vows? Have you responded in worship? The story of Jonah is good news to us, that our faithful God, our faithful God is going to send a prophet and a savior to the Gentiles, and he did so in his son, Jesus Christ, and we can call on his name. Let us pray together. Father, great is your faithfulness. You are a faithful God who fulfills your promises. You do what you say you are going to do, and for that we praise you. We thank you that you have sent a prophet and a savior to the Gentiles, to us, And that we can call on your name. We can call on the name of Jesus. Jesus who sacrificed his innocent blood so that we may be made clean. Jesus who embraced death for God's satisfaction, for the satisfaction of your anger and embraced death for the salvation of those Gentiles. We praise you, O Lord, that you are faithful to us. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.